Hello and welcome again to the Encounter Study. Uh, we're getting toward the end of the summer uh, summer section. So today we're going to be talking about the lesson for Sunday, August 15th. That's going to be Psalm 136. We're just kind of focusing on 1 through 9. Uh, and we've entitled that a communal testimony of God's love. So what I've tried to do is we've had 10 lessons um, of, you know, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, but what I wanted to do now was switch over to the communal portion of it because Christians are not single folks. We worship together. And so whatever we do in private in our worship service, we can also do as the gathered body of Christ. And so we're talking about the communal testimony of God's love and how we build one another up within context of community. Before I got get into that, I wanted to highlight a couple things. Symposium is coming up, and you can go to cpcmc.org forward slash the hyphen symposium, and that'll get you to this page, get you all the relevant information. It's going to be at the Dyersburg Cumberland Presbyterian Church, and you will be able to see the cost here, $100 per person. Um, there's also uh, descriptions of the workshops now. Click on that right there. We've got all kinds of workshops. Uh, our keynote speaker is Scott Dan and Miller, uh, and that's going to help us to understand how to have tough conversations, which, you know, through elections and politics and COVID and restrictions, everybody's a little bit on edge and they don't really know why. And so I've seen or heard from pastors and elders and, and things that conversations are harder to do sometimes. You'll also have this lodging information uh, where you can stay. It's pretty close to the church, and so you got till October 21st for those rates in those hotels. Um, so, very good. Uh, that's November the 4th through the 6th is when that'll be. It's, I'm looking forward. I'm doing a couple workshops. Um, so, please, a couple with, with people, but look forward to it. Now, the next thing we need to know about, Leanne Kerner, one of the... One of the best young folks in the Cumberland Presbyterians. I say young. She's been in the ministry now for over, I don't know, 10 years now, working with children and youth in our church. And She's been interviewed with TJ Melanowski, and so that is up. You can find that at Apple Podcasts. You can find that on Transistor, Spotify, wherever. Just type in Cumberland Road Podcast in Google, and it'll show up somewhere. But make sure you take a listen and hear from Leanne Kerner. She's a hoot. And chances are you've met her because she introduces herself to everyone, whether you want to meet her or not. All right, so that gets us then to our lesson for today. It's a good lesson. It's a good psalm. Um, so here's our prayer for illumination. God, whom we know through the scriptures and creation, speak to us in this hour. Show us the wisdom and joy of your ways that we may know what is good and do what is right. Through Jesus Christ, uh, your word, amen. In our memory verses, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And that's Psalm 136, 1. All right, so again, I'm saying that we're turning to the communal portion of, of our faith and our worship now. Um, it's super important for us to remember that our faith is in the context of community just as our role as a human being is in the context within a family. Like you were formed in shape, whoever you are, because of your brothers and sisters, moms, dads, whoever raised you, you were in the context of a family, 
Y'all had to make certain choices. You had to do certain things, and therefore the rest of your life was um, shaped and formed by, by who you grew up with and where you grew up. And it's the same thing for our churches. You know, We have different personalities in our churches, and that's because we're from different places. Churches in Texas might not be the same as churches in Kentucky, and some are liturgical, and some are more charismatic oriented some are low church some high church whatever you want to say but that worshiping body has formed you in the way you think about theology and the way you think about scripture and so on and so forth and so when scripture uses the metaphor of body or family it's because we all work together to find out who we are in god in christ and then we uh, we live and so it's really important that we understand this communal aspect of the faith in the old testament you wouldn't talk so much of a personal relationship with god as much as you would the communal relationship with god and the covenant people and so on um, dr qualls talks about his experience as he had gone in different places and in, in a church in cali uh, he said he went to the worship service and it was of course a different worship service it was different instruments it was different languages but then he said it was the same doxology, right? And even though he couldn't necessarily understand the words, he knew the words. And just because it was done by a myriad of guitars and not an organ and a piano, he knew that worshiping was happening. And uh, the um, what he writes in here was um, worship. What well, He says praise in any language is still praise. Praise is the language of our community, of our family. And it's not necessarily the... Uh, ethnic language but praise is our language and it can be expressed in many different ways so um, that um, I think brings us to this thought of what it means to worship in community you have your own community but we're part of the broader family of God which encompasses all people everywhere of every tribe every nation and so let me read Revelation chapter 7 uh, we'll do verses 9 through uh, 14. This is the revelation of John. This is, uh, of course, when we say the Christ consummates uh, things. After this, I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hand. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, robed in white, and where have they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So, um, I mean, we talk a lot about uh, race and ethnicity in the church today. Um, and it's faux pas, maybe, uh, in some circles to talk about, you know, colorblindness or not. But... <clears throat> I'm going to at least do a shout out that colorblindness, I, I believe, is the scriptural understanding of race and ethnicity, um, mostly because of the robes, right? Like the reason we wear robes in the pulpit um, in the Reformed tradition isn't a symbol of our education, but it's a symbol of our um, 
taking upon Christ and losing our self-identity so that we can preach. And, and so when everyone in different tribes puts on the robe, it means that they're identifying as something other than their ethnicity. Um, so anyway, agree, disagree, whatever. But uh, I do think it's the scriptural way to think about uh, race and, and whatnot. <clears throat> and, it, and also it points us up to, to God. Like God becomes the identity, the, what God's revelation becomes our heritage and, and all these things. But again, I'm very happy to be schooled uh, one way or the other on that. But ultimately, it's a breaking down of any barriers to the single goal of worship and praise of God. Right? That's, at the very least, I think we can all agree on that right there. Um, that leads us then to the exploring the scripture uh, section. Now, this is cool. So, Psalm 136 is a liturgical hymn. Um, and it's actually 26 verses long. But I decided that we probably didn't need to read the whole psalm in our class. Uh, in each verse, you have an A part, which is the first half of the uh, verse, and then the B side, if you will, which is the last half of the verse. And what happens is, is that in part A of the verse, you have a historical action of God. And then the B side of the verse is for his love endures forever right so um, i'm just going to read a couple oh give thanks to the lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever oh give thanks to the god of gods for his steadfast love endures forever oh give thanks to the lord of lords for his steadfast love endures forever who alone does great wonders for his steadfast love endures forever who by understanding made the heavens for his steadfast love endures forever and so you go on and on and on. Statement of God, the response of God's people for his uh, steadfast love endures forever. And then, of course, that whatever version you're reading says for, it can vary, it might vary from translation to translation. But the point being, God's love endures forever. This scripture is known as the great Hallel. It's used on every Sabbath morning at festivals and then on the last day of the Passover. Psalm 113 to 118 are Hallel passages, but this is considered the great passage. And these were probably the songs or the psalms in which Jesus um, and the, uh, the apostles sang when it said, you know, after this they, they sang a hymn and departed. So this is probably the context of this passage. Um, and so when we say that they're liturgical psalms, it means that they are meant to be um, used in the context of fellowship and worship. So one of the things that you might um, have experienced if your church is somewhat liturgical is called the Great Thanksgiving. Um, and they vary the Great Thanksgiving. This is the Great Hallel. The Great Thanksgiving is something that congregations that are liturgical will do as they're doing communion and it's a responsive reading it is a liturgy it's the work of the people so um, i'll have some more information on the great thanksgiving uh, in the newsletter uh, and so anyway let me just bring up we call the great thanksgiving you know it's the great thanksgiving because most of the time it starts with um, the lord be with you people respond and also with you and then you hear the let us lift up our hearts, and the people respond. We lift them up to the Lord, and then it varies from there. It can be, 
for it is right for us to give thanks and praise and all this good stuff. But it's a it's a long form liturgy for the for the communion service, just similar in the same way that this was probably used at the uh, at the Last Supper and and through Passover. There's also something else called um, bidding prayers uh, that are used a lot in um, churches. Uh, here, let me go ahead and show you these things. So this is an example of the great thanksgiving. The administrator of the Lord be with you, also with you. Let us lift up our hearts. We lift them up. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God, for it is right to give our thanks. And then it just goes on from there, uh, and it leads us in prayer. Let me uh, <clears throat> go to a bidding prayer. Anglicans are good at this. Na, 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 na. Also called the prayer of the faithful. Let's see here. If I get the right thing. So you'll see it in the Catholic Church. You might hear something like called the Kyrie eleison, which is you say something and it's a in your mercy, Lord, hear our prayer. But the, the leader will have the request. For instance, with all our heart and mind, let us pray the Lord. Let us lay our request before him, saying, hear our prayer, hear our prayer, Lord. And then each thing is just one subject. So protect all those who carry peace to other nations. Bless the food, care, and shelter they provide. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Comfort those who live with grief, help them, and so on and so forth. And um, I, I really do like bidding prayers um, because, and I like prayers that are led by other people that I can participate in um, because I'm not very good at remembering other people in situations. Uh, when I pray, if I'm not careful, it's all about me, my problems, and my friends' and family's problems. Uh, but the world is big, and it reminds me to pray for situations that I might not be aware of, but people are still... Um, still in need of and so anyway in your um, Sunday school class I mean maybe you get an example or so of bidding prayers and you'll see wow like in these prayers um, you're led to pray for things that you, you don't even think about um, and but we do so corporately so everybody then a prayer request is spoken out and the whole congregation or Sunday school class affirms or agrees and says in your mercy Lord hear our prayer so it's a really big uh, you know, it's important to be able to pray these things. But that's the context, then, of Psalm 136. Uh, now, then, we go to the digging deeper section. Uh, Dr. Qualls brings up 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 17. We've all heard this probably in the context of, of when something bad happens to us, how we're supposed to respond. Um says, be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you who belong to Jesus Christ to live. And that's from the message translation. That's it's difficult. I've been in some situations where people have quoted that. And I think they quoted it in shock more than they quoted it. But it was, you know, at least in their memory. Um, and I think it is the job of a teacher or preacher to equip students to live by faith. Even in the hardest of circumstances, which is, you know, what this, this psalm was. Like, it, it was probably saying, <clears throat> remembering their bondage in Egypt and coming to the Promised Land. It was probably also um, used in uh, exile, when certainly nothing felt real good for them. And so scripture 
uh, gives us ways to understand God, or at least ways to praise Him, even in the hardest of situations. And that, I think, is our jobs, is to help people live by faith, not by sight. And Psalm 136 is a way that we do that. Uh, life is hard, and the only way then sometimes we can move forward when we've been devastated or things look so hard is some kind of assurance that we're going to be okay if we move forward in the future. And so um, this psalm at every turn says, His love endures forever. His steadfast love endures forever. Now look at the past. His steadfast love endures forever. And so then Dr. Qualls uh, quotes Matthew Henry in one of his commentaries, and I'll read that. We should be thankful in every condition, even in adversity, as well as prosperity. It is never so bad with us, but it might be worse. If we have ever so much occasion to make our humble complaints to God, we never can have any reason to complain of God and have always much reason to praise and give thanks. The apostle says this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning us, that we give thanks, seeing God is reconciled to us in Jesus Christ. In him, through him, and for his sake, he allows us to rejoice evermore and appoints us in everything to give thanks. It is pleasing to God. So it's a difficult thing, but again, that's why we train. That's why we go to church every Sunday is to learn worship in, in different circumstances. Um, this passage helps us to understand that we do not suffer alone as well. Like, again, this is psalm is in the context of community. We go to church and we worship in the context of community. First, we have the promise that God will never leave us nor forsake us, but then we also look to our left and our right and we see our brothers and sisters who deeply love us, who have committed to live a life of faith in the family of God at the church that you go to, and they love us, and we can reach out for support and for prayer and for help from our brothers and sisters. For God's steadfast love endures forever in the context of community also, not just our individual life. One good thing about social media, if there is anything good about social media, it's that when I get on there and I see... Um, some bad news from somebody. I also see the, the family of God surrounding that person with prayer. It's happened to me with people I don't know. I've seen um, you know, a prayer request and I've gotten a hold of them uh, individually just to reach out. Maybe for whatever reason the little like button or concern button and, and I'm praying for you didn't seem like enough. So I reached out and new relationships were made. And, that's how the family of God works. We support one another. For God's steadfast love endures forever. All right. And then that leads us then to the learning from the witness of the church. Um, my dad used to say, past performance is indicative of future results. And he usually did that in context of me preparing for something, right? If I was being lazy or something. Pretty well know if somebody's going to do a good job if they've done a good job in the past. If they haven't, done a good job in the past, then why would you think that they're going to do a good job? If you lend somebody money that never gives you your money back, why do you think you're going to get it this time? Uh, and you might hear that tagline on the, at the end of uh, like investment commercials where it says past performances is not necessarily indicative of future results, which that's kind of true. But for the most part, over the time, somebody shows their character through what they do. And you can judge if you have a large enough uh, you know, barring some kind of, you know, anomaly. You can judge people's performance and their past results. 
So anyway, the refrain of this psalm is his love endures forever. Ultimately, we can have confidence that God is powerful and that he is working for the good of those who love him and called according to his purpose. And you can rest assured of those promises because of the past experiences. So that's what this psalm is doing. It lifts up all the stuff that God has done. Uh, and then everybody agrees and says, for God's steadfast love endures forever. So, for instance, uh, verse 10. Who struck Egypt through their firstborn, for his steadfast love endures forever, and brought Israel out from among them, for his steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. Who divided the Red Sea in two, for his steadfast love endures forever. And so really what this is, is a, uh, um, it's a um, call and response where people are saying, look at what God's done in the past, these great and mighty things, and his steadfast love endures forever. So it's going to go on into the future. One of the things I think you could do as a Sunday school teacher or as a class or a preacher is you give everyone the opportunity to say something good that God has done in their life and then allow the class to respond with, for his steadfast love endures forever. And so you could start as a teacher. You could say, like I would say, uh, for God gave me a good family, his steadfast love endures forever. Somebody else might say, God provided an opportunity for a job. Let everybody say, for God's steadfast love endures forever. And just go through your class and just see the, the blessings that God has given. And then, you know, as a community, affirm God and affirm the people of God for God's love endures forever. I think that's a, I think that's a good little um, exercise, both as a class and maybe as an individual. Maybe that's the assignment you give people this week is to write down, you know, the blessings of God and just refrain it with God's steadfast love endures forever. And this will be our... Um, Highlighted discussion question of the week comes from this section. Um, was there a time when you were faced with great adversity or pain, yet still were able to find reasons to give thanks during that ordeal? That's very difficult. But as we train ourselves to see the goodness of God, we can see the goodness of God in many different situations, even those that seem um, terrible at the time. All right, now we get to the uh, applying the scripture. And Dr. Qualls, he ends with kind of a humorous, humorous story. Uh, about really knowing someone um, and anyway and ultimately this psalm is all about delving into the goodness of God knowing that God is good and God's love uh, endures forever and we come to know people through experience in history by seeing their character over time and this psalm helps us to recount God's character and history to God's people and for us as individuals um, God is good all the time Right? I say that a lot now, um, just by way of, uh, we had a pastor here in Paducah, Kentucky named Brent Ballou. Ultimately, he died from cancer, but I do remember during his, um, you know, that was his favorite phrase, God is good all the time uh, in all things. And he said that before he had cancer, he said it during cancer, he said it at the end of his life. Um, God is good all the time. And he was able to see, even in those horrible situations, uh, that God had been good and his love endures forever. And um, I thank God for his life, and I thank God for his, uh, his testimony in that because um, I will remember it forever, and, and now it's part of my vocabulary. And I think about Brent and how he handled the circumstances and adversities in his life, and, and he was able to give thanks in those circumstances. Not necessarily for, we say that, but he was able to give thanks in the circumstances, and then he, he saw God working.
he was quick to say, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. So, my friends, take this um, to your church. May the Lord give you power in your, in your teaching and preaching this week. And we'll see you next week.